right? Yeah. You start to see when these crazy crap comes out, there people are like, what? Wait a minute. No. And these politicians backpedal. Look at, we're going to get into this later on on another show, but look what happened this week. Just a couple days ago, you and Marie and I were sharing around the 15-minute city crap, right? Mm -hmm. Oxford, England actually passed this. Their city council passed it. What is the walkable city, folks? They're taking the city of Oxford, and they're carving it up into like six or seven zones, kind of like the Hunger Games. If you didn't see the movie, go see the movie. Kind of like the Hunger Games, you have everything you need is in your zone. All your food, all your water, all your other supplies, everything you need is in your zone. And you can get to everything within 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to leave your zone. As the one lady explained in a two-minute video, if your parents live in another zone on the other side of the city, you have to get permission from the city to go across town to visit your parents or you are fined money this is not some conspiracy theory they actually passed this crap Mm -hmm. well how long did it take did you go and look up on did you go do a google search after you and i and maria discussed this a few days ago did you go do a google search guess Uh, what oh they're already backtracking it's only been like two days I think they implemented this on Monday and they were backtracking on Wednesday. Literally, there's an article uh, that came out. I got it up. It says, joint statement from the Oxfordshire Council, uh, County Council and the Oxford City Ca- Council on Oxford traffic filters. They're only creating these zones for traffic filters. <laughs> That's why. Right. That's what Google Maps is for, all right? That was actually created by NQTEL, the CIA's venture capital firm. That's what Google Maps is. That's what deals with traffic. Like, you put on your GPS on your phone, it's Google Maps. It's all run in cooperation with the government. That's not to get you and me from A to Z. That's to control all the traffic patterns. So they don't need to create zones. And and as I pointed out to you, because I started doing research pretty quickly, in Utah, they took this 600-acre piece of land that used to be a prison and they're actually building this a 15 minute city like test pilot there so they're literally moving people from a walled in prison to a free range prison that's basically what it's <laughs> gonna be you're a free range prisoner uh the other thing that you brought up was the bank run and that was a running theme in all of the panel discussions we reviewed here from IMF, WEF, and uh, BIS, including Francois, the guy we just read a statement from, he keeps talking about it. We have to be very careful. We don't want to run on the banks. This is why I was telling people we're in this, no matter how you want to look at it, we're in this bridge period right now. This moving from the third industrial era to the fourth industrial era, you know, Klaus Schwab and that group would call it the fourth industrial revolution. You see that littered on tons of corporate websites, fourth industrial revolution. They adopted that literally in 2016 when his his book came out, Klaus Schwab's book. Yeah. But they're in this bridge period. This is what Peter Thiel's talking about, moving us from one economy to the new economy, the old economy to the new economy. But it, they're, it's not policy came straight from the bank of international yeah 
But this is why I'm saying they're weak during this period right they now. Are. Because it's hard to, tra- it's like transitioning us from an old legacy operating system to a new operating system. And they're open for hack and cyber attacks right now. Because they have to keep the current fiat currency system propped up until they can transition it seamlessly or somewhat seamlessly to CBDC. Because if there's a bank run, uh, listen, I brought up before on the show, my great-grandfather, um, he grew up during the Great Depression. He ran a speakeasy. Okay, this guy died in 1992. He never had a bank account since the Great Depression. He did not have a social security number, never went and got one, and never paid income tax in his entire life. I call him the last free man on earth, at least the last free man that I knew of. When he died, he had $10,000 cash in his pocket, about $50,000 in his little wooden chest, a, a pile of paper stock certificates, owned his house, owned his truck. It's like those guys are the mentality that we have to become where you this is called this is what exiting the system is see he was smart enough to never go into the system after the uh great depression after all his money he had in the bank disappeared he said that's it i'm never entering your system that was the very beginning of technocracy handing out social security numbers to people and he said what you know i don't need government promised uh pension fund here i'm not going to have you steal my money from me of course he was able to operate in cash his whole life but um But that's what's interesting about this. Like you said, those are when we see pushback. And they're able to measure the pushback because they're analyzing and tracking everything. Social media, your phone, everything else. And like you keep saying, the one thing that they actually do fear... And we're talking about the political puppets who are the salesmen. We're talking about, you know, bankers that end up on panel discussions that are all over YouTube, like Bo Lee and others. I mean, these are public figures. People could figure out where they live. These guys, even though they're taking directions from, say, some Rockefeller committee behind the scenes, they're the ones at the end of the day that go, hold on, hold on. All right, what if they come burn my castle down? I don't want these peasants showing up at my front door harassing my children. Exactly. And that and exactly. that's what goes to show people they are still flesh and blood because if they weren't, they wouldn't if they were reptilian lizard people, they wouldn't have to go through all this. They would just come right. out and con- conquer us all. They wouldn't have to do this like the uh, frog in the boiling water. They would just come out and do it. They wouldn't have to go through all the generational, you know, uh, right. introduction of all these things. And so, folks, don't don't get don't you get your hopes up that that's a one off in Oxford, England. That the, that fifteen minute city comes from the UN and the World Economic Forum, and oh, it's here too. There's an article, a study, actually. In August of 2021, that ranks U.S. cities by the 15-minute city potential. Who? What city? Take a wild guess. Came in first place. I forgot. I've, uh, yeah, my, I looked at the article and I forgot which one it was because yeah. I was all, so also going to start Miami, referencing Pittsburgh. this. Yeah, they got Miami, Pittsburgh, Long Beach, California, San Francisco, Oakland, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, Washington D.C., Boston, Baltimore. Uh, those are the ones they've got highlighted. Then they also have Buffalo, Seattle, Chicago, Cleveland, Orlando, Philadelphia, Denver, Portland, Glendale, Arizona, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Chandler, Anaheim, Chandler, Arizona, Anaheim, Sacramento, and Lexington, Kentucky. And they go on to say that the two hundred to 400,000 person city is ideal because then they don't have to carve it up like Oxford. It's just the right size anyways. 
Yeah, and essentially the 15-minute city is like what we've covered here. They're smart cities, okay? And the thing is, once they have CBDC into place, which they can test pilot in any of these 15-minute cities, they can just force people into it using the local government, then they can actually manage it because you say to yourself, in the Oxford one, the idea was if you wanted to travel uh, outside of your 15-minute zone, like you had to go to work, which will all be resolved when yeah. everyone works remotely and you work out of your house inside the metaverse. That That's what takes care no, of they that. They say, yeah, your job will be within that 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you have to get on this public transportation if you have to travel outside. But to cross over into each of the districts, this is like some Nazi Germany stuff. To get into each of the other districts, like you said, you have to apply for a permit with the government. You can get fined if you get caught. But with CBDC, it's all very easy, folks, because the way they make it work, especially when it's connected to your digital ID, if there's public transportation, you can't cross over into the next zone. If your money doesn't work in the next zone, you can't go spend it in the next zone. I mean, this is how they right. start to control everyone. Now, for me and you... Now, like I said, before CBDC, they can still control you because if you have your phone on you or you're driving an electric right. car because they don't sell combustion engine cars anymore... They can track you from zone to zone. You would literally yeah. have to walk without your phone. Yeah. If you have an electric car, especially one that obviously every car now has computers built into them, you could literally be driving. Like, let's say you're in New York City and you're going from Manhattan trying to go over the bridge into the Bronx. Your car yeah. literally could say, you are entering <laughs> within a half mile <laughs> of uh, the Bronx. <laughs> a red turn, light your turn, turn your vehicle around or it will shut off. Red I alert. Mean, they, red alert. They, red alert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could literally do this. You're, you're literally... It's yeah. like being in a prison cell and they're moving people into the conspiracy different conspiracy theory stuff this is they actually tell you this well i mean and just think about think about it on a larger scale if you want to think it's a conspiracy theory let's say you're someone who lives in another country and you want to come here and visit your relative in the united states well in the united states you still can't get in unless you have a covid vaccine certificate so there you go. You can't leave that district and come to another district. That's it's it's actually in practice today unless you do certain things. And this is how it'll work in a system like that. You might be able to get into the next zone, but you're going to have to give up 7 CBDC carbon credit tokens to be able to enter that other zone. Uh and then it may say you cannot buy anything inside that other zone. I mean, this is they're doing this in uh Dubai, they're doing this stuff in uh several other places i mean these like smart cities that they're building that's the whole purpose mm -hmm. i mean what do you think well do you think they're building this because they love you and they want to make your life more streamlined and efficient no of course not well it, the marketing marketing again is brilliant it's smart nobody wants to be dumb <laughs> i used to have a meme that i made it said smart cities for stupid people <laughs> <laughs> i swear i mean yeah the i will eventually when we get bigger i'll have some uh merchandise but no the i mean the th the the big one though is utah is just the greatest because they're taking an old prison complex and building it into a 15 minute city meanwhile you know bill gates has been building out a uh test smart city for many years and the other thing is i started doing research based on our text messaging back and forth into the overlay or the overlap of 
opportunity zones, which existed before Trump, but they grew under Trump, under Dr. Ben Carson through HUD and Jared Kushner on the outside and some of his brother and others are invested in the opportunity zones. They were using all kinds of tricks and scams to drive people out of properties and take them over. I guarantee if somebody goes and does an overlay of these 15-minute cities with the opportunity zones, you're going to find it. Again, giant grift, man. Like a giant grift, somebody's yeah. going to make the money on it. Yep. It's either that or it's going to be the uh, Amazon warehouses are going up in the uh, in the opportunity zones uh, as well as these uh, vertical farming massive they're like warehouse, massive warehouses, but vertical farming uh, plants. Yeah. I mean, Elon I, Musk. Again, I haven't it. done the homework, but I, I, I would be willing to bet a lot of them are in opportunity zones. Yeah, and Elon Musk's brother's been growing uh, fake vegetables inside of freight containers for years. I mean, when I was over in Poland, they said, oh, no, there's no Amazon here. I was actually kind of, I said, wow, that's cool, you know. And what happened? We were driving out to my wife's uncle's farm out in the middle of nowhere, and I see this huge, giant building, and I said, what the hell is that? Like in the middle of a giant farm field, like it didn't fit. It looked yeah. like some like a spaceship landed. And I we drive around the fencing, and it says Amazon coming soon. <laughs> and I said, there you go, they're here, they have arrived. <laughs> it's yep. crazy. All right, so uh, we got about fifteen minutes left. You want to uh, do a few more pieces out of this document? Yeah, see if we can can't. Well, see how far we get on this document. So, um, what they're talking about here is the, the given the institutional, societal, uh, social, technical inertia, <laughs> meaning people aren't doing what they're supposed to do as we tell them. Higher carbon prices alone may not suffice to drive individual behaviors. Social engineering, right there in the BIS's own words. <laughs> um, and firms' replacement of physical capital towards low-carbon alternatives. For example, proactive fiscal policy may be essential for may be an essential first step to build adequate infrastructure, like railroads, before carbon pricing can really lead to agents lead agents to modify their behavior by switching from car to train. <laughs> Sell your car, public transportation. Going further, the fight against climate change is taking place at the same time when the post-World War II global institutional framework is un under growing criticism. <laughs> this means that the unprecedented level of international coordination required to address the difficult political econo economy of climate change is seriously compromised. Yeah, it says we cannot have that on your notes. Then this, this is great because in the 15-minute city stuff you were just talking about, that was one of the things mentioned in there. We're going to move all to basically trains, and then you get off the train, and you could rent an EV car from the government, and then that'll drive you out to where you can pick up a scooter, like a solar-powered scooter. Like, seriously, this is yeah. what they have planned for you. This sentence says it all. Therefore, to guarantee a successful low-carbon transition, new technologies... <clears throat> CBDC, carbon credits, new institutional arrangements, carbon credit system, and new cultural frameworks should emerge towards a comprehensive reshaping of current productive structures and consumption patterns. Mm -hmm. Force yeah. everybody into technocracy. 
That's yeah, exactly. exactly That's what the BIS is telling you. Systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. That's the consumption side. It's just communism overlaid with technology is really what it is. Yep. December 2017, the Central Banks and Supervisors Network for Greening the Financial System was created by a group of central banks and supervisors willing to contribute to the development of environmental and climate risk management in the financial sector. 2017, folks. And to mobilize mainstream finance to support this transition towards a sustainable economy. The NGFS quickly acknowledged that climate-related risks are a source of financial risk. Now, let me ask you a question. If the climate change was real and there was a real threat to not only one country, but all the countries in the world, why is the, the, the alarm bells coming from the central banks? I know. Does that make any sense? No, it's actually beautiful. It's not coming from the politicians. It's not coming from the health department. It's not coming from the weather service. It's coming from the bank. Yeah. And, and as you said, if you do your own uh, research, you'll find that all the people you just mentioned, any of the weather folks, the so-called scientists, the politicians, in the end, all their talking points are actually coming from the banks. Right. <laughs> Which, by the way, I, was it you that said... Um, like all these scientists and all this stuff is all being funded by the central banks to begin with at this point. Yeah. So John, one of John Titus's uh, videos that he did, he, I think it might've been in all the plenaries men. I'm not sure. Maybe it might've been one of the COVID ones he did. Um, he, he talked about Chris Whalen who used to work for the fed, the New York fed. And in an interview, Chris Whalen said to the interviewer, you know who controls all the scientific studies in this country, right? And the person said, no. He goes, the Federal Reserve. And I went and looked it up, and it says it. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure they control the scientific research money. I think that's the NIH and Fauci. But every other, so all these climate-related uh, climate studies, the banking studies, all of that is controlled by the Federal Reserve. So the answers coming out of any of these studies are going to be in line with the BIS and the Federal Reserve narrative. Exactly. That's what I said to somebody recently on, on Facebook. I said, you, you look at the science. It's all funded by either the government, uh, the universities that are getting grants from the government, corporations that are generally working in cooperation with the government if not under contracts from the government so do you trust the government no then how could you trust the so-called science of anything at this point because it's always going to fit the narrative that goes along with whatever the government's trying to sell you and as you said now the government is completely controlled by the banks so it's all it's all it's all run by the bankers i mean come on folks it's so obvious yeah. The banksters. The banksters, the economic terrorists. 
So in the worst case scenario, central banks may have to confront a situation where they are called upon by their local constituencies to intervene as climate rescuers. Again, bank bankers know squat about science. Why are they the climate rescuers? I, it makes no sense. Uh, da, da, da. Of, Goldman Sachs to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, there's a flood. Send call Goldman Sachs. Anyways, for example, new financial crises caused by green swan events severely affecting the financial health of the banking and insurance sectors could force central banks to intervene and buy a large set of carbon-intensive assets and or assets stricken by physical impacts. We'll bail out the banks. Okay. While banks in financial distress in an ordinary crisis can be resolved, this is far more difficult in the case of economies that are no longer viable economies are no longer viable because of climate change you, you know what we need jim uh as i get bigger uh, I, I used to be on a podcast we had a really good following and a lot of there was a lot of younger people and so we'd put out yeah. a challenge to create a meme or a drawing or something and people used to do some cool stuff we need the nfts like trump's doing with the trading card hero cards like the mega cards but we need ones of jamie yeah. diamond of uh larry fink like all these larry big no banksters in in i want them in captain planet suits where they're like the the climate change saviors it's like by day he's a hedge fund manager <laughs> by night he's saving the planet like that's <laughs> That's what we need to, like a whole set of these cards would be fantastic. All the different bankers, yeah. the central bankers, all the governors of the central banks. <laughs> Carson's going to eat up all the cows. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that would be hilarious. And, like, and a superhero name for each one of them. But like, like that yeah. would be fantastic. Yeah, I so the BIS continues here. I want to finish I, that one little part. I just want to ask you, have you seen, because you pay attention to more of this stuff uh, than I do with Catherine and everyone, have you seen a lot of people out there connecting, like what you just said, that the bankers are the ones are claiming to be the saviors of the planet? Okay, cool. All right, that's good. We got to run with this. Intervening as climate rescuers of last resort could therefore affect central banks' credibility and crudely expose the limited sustainability between financial and natural capital. <laughs> <laughs> Given the severity of these risks, the uncertainty involved, and the awareness <laughs> of the interventions of central banks following the 07-08 Great Financial Crisis, the socio-political pressure is already mounting to make central banks, perhaps again, the only game in town and to substitute for other, if not all, government interventions, this time to fight climate change. <laughs> for instance, it has been suggested that central banks could engage, could engage in green quantitative easing in order to solve the complex socioeconomic problems related to a low-carbon transition. <laughs> this is so great, man. This is like reading the rules of the, like, the new Monopoly game or something. <laughs> Yeah. And they, they literally write this. Following the old adage, that which is measured can be managed. What's that sound like? 
that which is yeah that which is measured can be managed yeah a managed plan society yeah so we'll scroll back up let me read the rest of that real quick can be managed the obvious task in terms of financial regulation and supervision is therefore to ensure that climate-related risks become integrated into financial stability monitoring and prudent supervision. However, such a task presents a significant challenge. Traditional approaches to risk management consisting of extrapolating historical data based on assumptions of normal distributions are largely irrelevant to assess future related climate risks. In other words, don't look backwards at the scientific data because it's false. Going forward, it's gonna be much worse, trust us. <laughs> this is great. I mean, it's just bullshit, for lack of a better term. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, what do you want we, to do? Uh, uh, this is just this. This is basically finishing the summary. It's getting ready to get into all these chapters. So, um, mm. are we in chapter one? I can't remember. Who? Uh, no, it, oh yeah, yeah well, that's finishing chapter one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That, that, we're we're good. We can stop here. Okay. So we'll we'll pick off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, folks. So, well, <laughs> we'll hold on. Let me. I, I just want to show everybody. Two. I want to show everybody this stuff quick because this is. So you have that one where this is the green swan. Yeah. And then I mean, Jim's got everything here. So these are all out of uh, Bank for International Settlements Innovation Hub, which uh, you guys know that lady uh, Cecilia Skingsley is in charge, like of the technology there. You saw uh, there was a panel yeah. we reviewed. This woman knows nothing about technology. It's like taking the plumber from the the like the plumber who works for the board of ed in your town or goes between all the different schools, and then somehow yeah. he gets elevated to being in charge of like the school security. And like it makes no sense. All right, these are like political appointees. But this one, another. Well, like we page. just said, how, why are bankers involved with anything climate related? This should be scientists. Well, I, I could see if all of a sudden there was a collection of the scientists who got together on the world stage and they said to the banks, you're the only ones that can actually stop this. We're demanding that you pressure the companies through the right. money you loan them to stop this. And so the scientists would really be in charge of it, uh, forcing the bankers to do it. But now it's the bankers who are the climate, you know, saviors. I mean, guys, and this is like a vision for technology driven green finance. These are all these huge white papers. Prototype for green bond tokenization by digital asset GFT. You got a prototype for two tier central bank digital currency you've got uh connecting economies through cbdc this is embridge uh we flipped through this but i mean there's i mean this is just the tip of the iceberg Again, this is only uh some of the documents from the first email i sent you i sent you like five emails full of documents yeah oh yeah no i've got uh let me just show i'm just going to show this real quick because and this this just goes to show you how much stuff is there and like this is as much as Jim is able, like, these are just all the folders from um, the last batch that you had sent, because you had about 50 documents from the first two shows. Now, as far as I know, uh, I had written back and forth with the Young Bucks, so you guys know, over at uh, pain.tv slash gold the other day. I haven't checked, 
but they were getting all the videos up and then what they had me do because they said that's too many documents for us to put them all in individually so i created a um oh great i just blanked out jim over there they created a uh i created a google drive folder with all this stuff in there broken down by the pdfs and i think like the jpegs and pngs that have the charts and stuff and they said okay we'll include a include a link so it should have a link to all this and i set it public so you guys could download everything if you want to download it uh, and have a copy of it i will tell folks what i've been starting to do is i make several i have several um uh, external hard drives and so i download i usually make three or four copies of my videos my audio my graphics my website files any of this type of stuff so it's redundant and that way every like couple months i cycle one hard drive out i put it back in the box and i store it now what glenn beck used to do and what alex jones used to do when he was selling bone broth now he actually used to print the articles and he supposedly had storage lockers full of printed articles so when they scrubbed the internet he could go back and find them now myself personally i'm not going that crazy with it because 27 years from now i don't see myself having to pull up a bank for international settlements green swan (laughs) document so i could say to people you see we knew this um but yeah, I mean, if you want to store those on your computer, it's good to have them. Uh, and then what I'm going to be doing... Or a thumb drive. Yeah, a thumb drive. I don't know drive. if they'll all fit on a thumb drive. You might need two. That's the thing. I mean, you can still find the uh, the thumb drives. I, most computers, I don't even think, have CV, CD or DVD burners in them anymore, which is unfortunate. No, it's UBS thumb drives. Oh, yeah. No, UBS no, I'm saying... thumb drives. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. yeah. I mean, but the old days, you could just burn everything on CDs and store them pretty easy because they were flat. But one of the other things I'm going to be doing, too, is uh, moving forward with this platform I'm going to be developing. I've talked to the audience about it, and it's all up to Mike what he decides to do with pain.tv slash gold because he's changing some things around, and maybe I won't be putting the videos there in the next couple months. Who who knows? But I'm building something as a backup anyway. And then on mine, I'm actually having it. Well, you'll be able to download all the, the video and audio too. So if you're a premium member, you could download those and store them on your computer. They take up a lot of space. That's why... On Mike's site, even the the files are reduced down. Yeah, and then that way, you guys have it if you want to build a library. I figure if you pay for premium subscription, uh, you should be able to download those and keep them on your computer if you want them. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, That's a lot of stuff. Obviously, this goes on uh, forever and ever. But, I mean, if you're trying to stay ahead of the curve and understand what's actually coming, and and I think, Jim, when you see the – sort of the pushback or when they do like a push pull in the Oxford case. So they push it out and then they kind of take two steps back. Do you think that's because they actually do fear if they push too hard, the people will rise up. So they immediately come out and say, never mind, never mind. We're not doing that right now. I I do. You pointed out in technocracy, technocracy, they're the technocrats plan to take over the world without one vote and without one shot. They've got the one vote down because they have all the politicians in every country in their back pocket. They've bribed them, right? They're all compromised. Now, politicians do get changed out periodically, so that constantly changes, right? The pool of actual human beings changes. So they got to manage that. But they're tap dancing to avoid this without one shot. 